listening to the sermon podcast from Real Life Pullman Campus, reaching the world for Jesus one person at a time. My name is Dan. I grew up in this area, worked overseas for a number of years, and we've been back in this area for a couple of years now. Um, if you had a chance to hear me <clears throat> a couple Sundays ago, I did share some stories about God speaking into um, our lives and um, some of the challenges that we had in that. But I just want to take you through um, our sermon series this, these last several weeks about how to have a relationship with an invisible God that we can't see. I don't know where you're at with this. I can't have a conversation with you right now. But I would gather that most of you have probably struggled with that. And wondered... What is this really all about? You can go through a lot of the emotions, you can go through learning about who God is, but this idea that God actually wants to have a personal relationship with you, and what does that actually look like? I'm guessing probably a lot of us have probably struggled about that. And that's what I'm gonna share a little about this week. And when we started out this series, we talked about where is God and where can we find him? And When we have our eyes open, we can see what God is doing, but if we have our eyes closed or we don't believe that he's doing that, it's hard to really spot God um, being active in the world. And then the next Sunday we talked about having that God really wants to have a real relationship with you. It's not this idea that God created this place and then he just walked away and we're just stumbling through life trying to figure out what to do and do all the right things and God's just kind of not there. He wants to have a real relationship with you. And not only that, is that he invites us to participate in his mission for the world. God has things he wants to do in this world and he invites us to be a part of it and he uses us to be able to do those things. It's pretty incredible. And so we come today talking about this idea that that God speaks and he wants us to listen. So I just want to pray right now um, and ask God just to really speak into, through me, um, but I would invite you just to be praying for me as well, that I would share what he's put on my heart um, and that I would be able to speak the truth in that. God, we just thank you for this day and we thank you that we're here. None of us are here by mistake and we just ask that you would speak into each one of our hearts to tell us what you have to share with us today. Just ask that you would uh, speak through me and that I would only say the words that you have put on my heart that you want me to say. We give all these things to you. In Jesus' name, amen. So again, I can't have this person, I can't have this conversation with you, so I don't know where you're at with this idea and you might hear like speaking, with, speaking to God or listening to God and you may have some certain feelings about that. So I just, I came up with this little self-evaluation. I thought, I just want us to think about these statements. I got a couple of them. Just choose which one maybe best resonates with you. So the first one is, I don't believe that God speaks to anyone these days. The next one, I believe God may speak to others, but I've never heard of him, never heard him speak. Or I believe that God speaks on special occasions in my life. Or I believe that God speaks to me all the time. 
I want us to try to get on the same page here. So there's, we could preach weeks and weeks and weeks on this topic. We can't do that. So I just want to try to define about what I'm going to talk about here. What it doesn't mean when I say God's speaking and for us to listen, what, I, what it doesn't mean is that there's some secret formula that you're going to find out. Or that you've got to go attend some class and you get this little insider information and that's going to help you know what God is saying. That's not what I'm talking about here. I'm also not talking about something that's mystical that only a select few people are going to be able to know. I'm also not talking about that you're going to be able to hear God from opening a fortune cookie or reading tea leaves. I'm also not going to talk about, this is not you going to like an ancestor's grave and getting advice from them. Might sound strange, but we see that a lot overseas. And it's not going to be like you're trying to listen to these voices that say like, use the force, Luke. You know, it's nothing like that. You know, no Star Wars force thing. That's not what I'm going to talk about here. Okay. What I mean is that God desires to communicate to us personally, in a specific way that's unique to us. But he's going to do it in a way that's consistent with the word that he's given us. In real life here, we do believe that. We believe that God's active. He wants to be active in our lives. He wants to communicate something, not just once in a while, an occasion, daily. He wants to use us and engage us into his mission in the world. But he doesn't force us to do that. He invites us to do that. I realize that some of you may have an aversion to this whole phrase of God speaking or listening to God. Some of you may have seen this as someone who in the church was manipulating, getting what they wanted, telling people, I know God spoke to me and told you that you need to do such and such. And they were doing that because they wanted something for themselves. And if that has happened to you, I want to say I'm sorry. Because that should never happen. That's called spiritual abuse. And that's not what we're talking about today. What I'm talking about today is that God wants to engage in us so that we can have an abundant life. And the point of all this that I'm trying to talk about is that he does speak. So for all of you note takers, I'll give you three points of where I'm going to try to go, and we'll see if we get there. You can write these down if you want. I'm going to share a few examples about um, how God spoke in the Old Testament and the New Testament, and then how does God primarily speak to us now, and then how are we supposed to respond? How does God want us to respond to all this that we've learned today? One of my favorite examples is in Moses, during the time of Moses, and um, he, he had this interaction with God, and you're probably familiar with it. There's a lot of, there's a lot of places in the Old Testament where God is speaking, and, and in his uh, previous, his forefathers, in Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, he spoke to, to them and told them that you're going to be in this promised land, you're going to have all these descendants. 
And when he finally came to speak to, to Moses, it was that all of the Israelites, millions of them, had moved to Egypt and they were there for about 400 years. And God is basically silent. He might have been speaking, we don't know, but there's no record in the scripture of him speaking to them. And eventually they became slaves and they're crying out to God, what are you doing? You gave us this promise and we're not living it right now. We're being slaves. And then enters Moses. God has a purpose for Moses and he set this up for him. Well, let's read this passage in Exodus chapter three. It says, one day Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led the flock far into the wilderness and he came to Sinai, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of the bush. Moses stared in amazement. Through the Though the bush was engulfed in flames, it didn't burn up. This is amazing, Moses said to himself. Why isn't it that that bush, why isn't that bush burning up? I must go and see it. When the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, God called him from the middle of the bush. Moses, Moses. Here I am, Moses replied. Don't come any closer, the Lord warned. Take off your sandals for you are standing on holy ground. I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. When Moses heard this, he covered his face because he was afraid. Now there's a few things that I notice in this passage that uh, I just want to mention because it's something that God seems to do a lot. God caught Moses' attention through a burning bush. If we saw a bush burning today, probably, I don't know, probably wouldn't mean a whole lot. But apparently, uh, back in that time, especially in, in, in that area, there are bushes that spontaneously start burning. And it could be that Moses saw one of those, and he was used to it, but what he noticed was it wasn't burning up. It kept burning. And God used that to catch his attention. And so Moses investigated that and said, what, what's this? What's going on? And when he investigated it, God called him audibly. He said, Moses. Now, I don't know how you would respond if like this bush starts speaking. I probably would freak out. But Moses says, here I am. He responded. And then God identified himself. He gave his pedigree. He said, I'm the father of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, your fathers. And when he said that, God, Moses knew this was God speaking. And he was afraid. All throughout the Old Testament, God clearly speaks to people, and he did it in an audible way. Samuel, when he was a young boy, God spoke to him, and he, was, he said, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, here I am. What do you want to say? Gideon had an encounter with God, but he said, I don't really know for sure if, you're, if it's you, God. Are you the one that's really speaking to me? And it was an angel of God that was sharing these things. And the angel did this miracle, and then Gideon said, oh, this is you, God. So he knew it. There were a lot of prophets that God used. And there's one recorded instance where he used a donkey. Now, the point is, is that God speaks to us. 
and he wants people to listen. We see the same thing in, in the New Testament. Jesus did this in the Gospels. He spoke to people. He told them something he wanted to say, and it was almost always personal. There's sometimes he spoke generally, but there's a lot of cases where he's speaking right into that person's life. In Acts and after that, God spoke by the Holy Spirit. And this is what I want to kind of focus in on. Before Jesus left the earth in John chapter 14, he said to his disciples, I'm going to ask the Father to send you a helper. Some of the versions translate this as a comforter or an advocate. And later on, he says, this helper is the spirit of truth. And the spirit of truth is going to help you understand things about God. Now, one of the problems that I see here in American church is that we've been strongly influenced by culture. And this happens all around the world, so this is not something new. But in American culture, we have this real focus on happiness, a pursuit of happiness, and independence, and knowledge. And so what happens in the church is those kinds of influences come into our life and we think that we're entitled to happiness and if we're not happy, then there's something wrong. And we focus on the knowledge of like, let's learn about who God is, let's do all these Bible studies, let's do all these classes, but we're not actually getting to know who God is and how he interacts with us personally. And there's this strong independence streak here in America. I need to do it myself. And so where's the role of this, of this Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth in our lives? When God has given us the Holy Spirit to help guide us, to help reveal things to us, where's the role of the Holy Spirit when we have these strong influences that come in? I remember one time, years ago, a woman was sharing to me, a believer, and she said, I know that God wants me to be happy, and my marriage is not a happy one, so I know it's God's will for me to get a divorce. And I remember thinking, that's not consistent with the God that I see in the scripture. God never says he, he wants us to be happy. But he does promise he's going to give us the ability to go through really hard circumstances. And we're going to have abundant joy when we come out through the, the end of it. When we have these influences in our lives that speak in there, they start to create this noise in our life. And we can't weed out, is God speaking to me or not? Now last week, if you were here, uh, Jim talked about this book called Experiencing God. And I have these here, and afterwards, you're welcome to look at them. We're basically kind of going through different topics in this book through this series. And I bought this book 20 years ago before I went overseas, but I never read it. And so it's been really good for me uh, the last couple weeks to read it, because I thought, I wish I would have read it 20 years ago. That would have helped a lot. Um, but it's been challenging. <laughs> I would really encourage you to take a look at it, consider actually going through it. 
But in the New Testament, we'll see that God primarily communicates with us in four different ways. You can look through scripture and see this. He communicates to us through the scripture, through the Bible, that's the first one. And the second one is through prayer. The third one is through our circumstances, and the fourth one is through the church. And so I'm gonna just touch, give a couple stories about some of these in my own personal life and how God has done this. There was a time when we first moved overseas and I mentioned this about how we went there with three little kids at the time, uh, under four years old. They were little babies, as you can imagine. The pressure was tremendous. Language learning, uh, new culture, lots of demands put on us. And we were really, really struggling. So much so that like things were just falling apart. And I remember this one week, it was like the worst week I've had ever. I got, a, I got an email that said that my dad had cancer. One of my daughters had fallen through a ceiling and hit a tile floor and I thought she was gonna die. And our marriage was like falling apart. And there was a time when we were having a discussion actually turned into an argument. Now, my wife has told me I can share this story, so. (laughs) And she looked at me, I don't remember exactly what I had said, but I had said something, and she looked at me and said, I hate you. And that was like a knife that went right through my heart. And I walked out of that room thinking, God, I didn't sign up for this. And God prompted me and said, you remember that passage in Ephesians 5? Why don't you go take a look at that right now? And so I did, and I read it, and I'll just read it for you. I want you to listen. It says here, Ephesians 5, chapter, chapter 5, 25. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave his, he gave his life up for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of the, God's word, He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without spot or wrinkle or any blemish. She will be holy without fault in the same way husbands love your wives. And I said to God, I had this conversation. I said, that's what I was trying to do. And he said, yeah, but you added on to that verse. Because you had this idea that if you did all these right things, you're gonna get the right response in return. You do all these things and you're trying to love your wife and then she's gonna love you back. But what if she never loves you back? Will you still, still do what I've asked you to do? And I said, no, I don't wanna do that. That's not what I signed up for. And God said to me, If you're going to abandon your wife and abandon what you have been called to do, then you have to walk away from me too. You can't say that you're going to follow me and not do what I've asked you to do. And that was a crisis moment for me. I've been trying to do all the right things, but I didn't realize that I was adding on to part of the scripture that's not there. 
And the Holy Spirit was speaking into my heart and saying, are you gonna just obey what I've just shown you or what are you gonna do? And I said, God, I can't walk away from you. And he said, okay, then you have to trust me that I will give you the power. You don't have the strength and power to do this right now, but I will give it to you when you need it. You have to trust me. And so I did. Now, it's not to say everything has turned out perfectly and everything's rosy. It's still a challenge. But it's an example of where God spoke to me and hit me, showing me like, you thought you knew what the scripture said, but you actually didn't. When we allow the Holy Spirit to speak out to us, to speak to us, he'll reveal truth in scripture or point out where we went wrong. I want you to really think about this. If we have the spirit of truth in us, are we really allowing God to interact and engage with our lives? Or do we come to church, sing some good songs, read some, some passages and go home and do whatever we do? 1 Corinthians 2.10, it says that, but it was to us that God revealed these things by his spirit, for his spirit searches out everything and shows us God's deep spirit secrets. For no one knows a person's thoughts except the person, person's own spirit. And no one knows God's thoughts except God's own spirit. And we have received God's spirit, not the world's spirit, so that we can know the wonderful things God has freely given us. I want you to think about your own life. And do you really believe that there is a spirit of truth in you that you can trust, who can guide you to reveal to you places where maybe you've gone wrong or guide you to engage in places where God wants you to engage? Or do you want to be independent? So I want to ask you a question. Who has young children right now? Anybody? Raise your hand. Oh, only a couple. Um, so, are you tired? Raise your hand. Oh, you're not raising your hand, you're lying. Okay, so. So, I, you know, one of our kids, when she was little, she would never stay still. And so, we always had a challenge with her taking a nap. And you can just imagine if you've been a parent, you can see how this plays out. And so, you try to get your kid to lay down and take this nap and so you're laying down next to the bed and then you know what happens. You fall asleep, right? And then you wake up and all of a sudden your kid's gone. And that's what happened with us repeatedly, repeatedly, repeatedly. And I got to a point where I got so angry one time. There was like this tremendous rage inside of my heart and I had to leave the room because I was afraid of what I might feel like doing. And I left the room so angry. And God said, you need to go back there and tell your daughter you're sorry for being so angry because this kind of anger is not appropriate. And so I went back in there and I told her, I said, God told me that I should apologize. God doesn't want me to be like this. He doesn't want me to have this kind of anger in my heart. And you can just imagine as a three-year-old, big brown eyes, curly blonde hair, and she looks at me and she goes, 
that's right, daddy. God doesn't want you to be angry like that. (laughs) And I was like, yeah, but, and I started to say, and God said, you need to stop right there. You need to take responsibility for your own actions, not go and try to blame or come up with reasons why you did that. Own it. How is she ever going to learn if you don't show her examples? There was another time recently where I was headed to church for a benevolence team. And in benevolence, we have uh, people that will come on Wednesdays for financial um, assistance or sometimes with a food, we have a food bank there, a little small emergency one. And I was late to coming to benevolence and I was coming around into Pullman on the bypass road and and here's this guy on the side of the road. He has this big sign, need food. And I came around the corner and I saw him and I'm like, I don't have time for that, I gotta keep going. And so I was like headed to the office and I, I was sitting there thinking like, wait a minute, what am I doing? I'm, I'm supposed to be going to benevolence to like receive people who need help. And here's a guy that says, I need food. And so I decided just to run in and go grab some, some food um, out of our emergency food bank there. And I went back to this guy and talked with him. He was so excited because he's like, this is amazing. Now I'm all set up. I'm ready to go to Montana. I don't need any more food. You, you gave me everything I needed. He was so excited. Now, there's an opportunity where I I didn't have any reason why I couldn't actually help. My eyes had to be open, but I had to be engaged. Now, God could have used somebody else to meet that need for him. But there was an opportunity, and God spoke and said, you should go do that. I don't know what God does in your life, but I just want to challenge you that if you're not looking for it, you're not going to see it. But God will put things in our life all the time. He wants us to be engaged. God also will speak, I shared about in the scripture and then through prayer, but he also speaks through our circumstances. And if you've ever traveled overseas, um, you run into these like visa problems where you have to have uh, permits to go there. And this one time we went over there, I remember like we landed on the ground literally and that day realized we had massive visas problems and they were gonna probably kick us back out of the country. And I remember thinking, what in the world, God? What are you doing? Like, we could have had this all sorted out before we got there. And I'd hired this guy to help me. He, he wasn't a follower of Jesus, but I, I felt God saying, you need to share with him what's going on in your life. And I said, look, I don't know, this might sound weird to you, but I just know that God brought us here to be part of this company and try to make a difference in people's lives here and all this stuff's falling apart and we may have to leave and my kids are crying because they feel like this is their home and I just don't know what to do, just trying to pray. And um, God ended up using that story with this guy and he went to the immigration office and shared this story and he went to the city, uh, big city offices there and shared this story And I remember thinking, like, I would never have said that. (laughs) I never would. But he used it, and God actually gave us the ability to have extra time to get these documents processed in a way that it just never would have happened. But if I was only looking at it from my own circumstances, say, God, why would you do this to me? You knew, you took us here, and now you got us to fail. But taking a step back and saying, God, what are you doing here? 
What do you want to accomplish through these circumstances? Now, I mentioned in the last month that we've been back in the States here um, for the last couple of years trying to get back overseas. And a while ago, I just got to the point where I just felt like, God, I can't do this anymore. We keep pushing, and there's more obstacles that keep coming, and I'm just so tired. I, I don't think I can do this anymore. And I sent an email out that night to some colleagues, and I said, I don't think we'll be able to go back right now. And the next morning, we spoke with some people here at church, uh, Ron and Judy Little, good friends, who love listening to God and love just wanting to be able to see, peop- see God do stuff in people's hearts. And we talked to them the next morning. I hadn't shared what I had written. And, and I was just telling them, just like, I've been trying so long. I've told God I want to do whatever you, what he wants me to do. I'll go wherever he wants me to go. And we can't get back overseas. And Ron said, if that's what you said, are you willing to stay here? And I knew in my heart that that was confirmation from what God had been saying to me the night before. And he was confirming it through someone through the church. And I want to encourage you that when you take all of these, the Bible, prayer, circumstances, and people from the church and put those all together, when they're consistent, you can be pretty confident that God is working and he's trying to share something with you and speak in your life. But, Part of our problems that we have here is that we're not really getting to know who God is. I want to read a scripture in John chapter 10. And it says here, the gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep recognize his voice and come to him. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. After he gathers his own flock, he walks ahead of them and they follow him because they know his voice. They won't follow a stranger. They'll run from him because they don't know his voice. If we're so focused on so many other voices, we won't be able to hear what God's saying to us. But I want to encourage you to think about, is this what you want? Do you want to just have hell insurance like Jim put it last week? Or do you want more? Do you want a deeper relationship with God? Because God wants you to experience him fully. But we have to know his voice. And so it comes to the last part that I wanted to get to was how are we going to respond? I'm not going to be able to answer that for you. But I do want you to ask that question to yourself. How am I going to respond? Will I believe this? If I don't believe this, am I willing to ask God to help reveal it to me? Will I I go that far? The reality is, is that when we do these things, and I've shared before, sometimes we're afraid. Well, God, if I really am going to start listening to you, you might ask me to do something I don't want to do. Yeah, he might but God's always got a much better plan than we have. So I'd like us to lead into communion so people that are passing those out can do that now. And at Real Life here with communion, we just, we have what's called an open table. And what that means is that if you've accepted Jesus as your 
Savior, you believe that he died on the cross for your sins, you are welcome to participate in communion with us. We just ask that you would take the cup and the bread and just hold on to it until the end. And while it's being passed out, I'll give you um, some next steps for us just to think about. So number one, will I believe that God wants me to hear his voice? Maybe it's an emphatic yes. Yeah, yeah, I do. But maybe it's not. Maybe you're not sure or you don't want to. That's okay. God's going to meet you there. Ask him. God, show me this week that you really do speak to me. God's going to show up. The next one, what barriers in my life might keep me from hearing God clearly? This is one that I would really like us to think about because there are some really powerful influences that we can have in our lives. Things that are not honoring to God. Friends. Entertainment, music. And when we get consumed with those things, they create noise in our head and voices that we get confused and then we don't know what God's saying. Are there any barriers that we need to move out of the way, out of our life, so we can really start to hear God? And then we need to practice listening to God. And if this is, you've never done this, it might sound weird. Again, I'm not trying to do a formula. This is not a formula. But take that step of faith and say, okay, God, I heard you today, and I want you to speak to me through my circumstance, or through scripture, or through prayer, or from someone else in church. And practice that and expect you're going to hear an answer. What is God specifically saying to you in a unique way? And then how will you respond? We've shared through this whole series, this is about faith and obedience. Am I willing to trust God that he knows what he's doing? Am I willing to have the faith to start to take the action and obey? Not because I have to, but because God invites us to. Thanks for checking out this message from Real Life. You can find out more about us by visiting liferotp.com and connecting with us on Facebook and Instagram. Until next time, have a great week.